creativity is an extension of the human experience. This wild, boundless seascape has been our anchor for our friendship and our sanity. This podcast is an exploration between close friends of storytelling and artistic expression. In this episode, we delve with stargazer and storyteller Diana P. Cartwright, who has been guiding Rudo and I as we collectively track the Venusian cycle, which is the planet Venus's entire orbit around the sun, which takes 19 months. You don't have to know a lot about astrology to engage with us today. In fact, Diana is a very inclusive astrologer who takes deep pride in helping us communicate better talking about astrology, as you'll soon find out. Mm. As a deeply magic and myth-driven collective, we thought it was time to invite Diana onto our show to share some pearls of loving wisdom, thoughts for sensitive and creative souls, prompts and observations on what's in our night skies. And hopefully you will all get something out of this to deepen your relationship with those twinkling lights whose names and stories live within us all. Welcome, Diana. Woohoo! Lovely to be here. <laughs> I mean, can we start with um, sort of talking about the the attraction or the why um, around astrology being such an integral part of your life? Yeah. Um, when you said that, uh, what came to me was thinking about 2020 and how it changed everyone's life Mm. and how one of the ways it changed my life was it brought astrology to the forefront. So I have been aware of, familiar with studying astrology in a very informal way for quite some time. But that year, I began to really yearn for a kind of wisdom that was not centered in kind of dominant culture and yet could be sort of a resource in a universal way for people, regardless of what they were specifically navigating. And the astrology teachers I had at that time were very pointed about the fact that 2020 was going to change everything for everyone, even though they did not know exactly how. And so my more scientific brain also just, I think kind of was able to release any sort of lingering skepticism about the validity of this practice. And Mm. then as my studies continued, Um, I did find that resource that I was looking for, you know, it wasn't guaranteed, right? But through my practice, I, I found that it, that it truly did change my life Mm -hmm. in some really important ways, um, which I can get into more in this podcast, but I think where I am at today with my why is still very much centered from that place and that experience of, you know, years later, we still, um, we still have a lot of work to do. We still have a lot of healing that we're moving through. We still have a lot of 
freedom and liberation that we are searching for. And one of the things I love about astrology is that um, it can speak to the collective. Yes. And often it doesn't. I want to say that. Often it's people reading a personal horoscope about things that are happening in their personal lives, but it can speak to a collective experience. And that to me is really important um, in terms of my practice and how I think about astrology and its usefulness. Um, And because I kind of had my own barriers to, I think, being able to appreciate and utilize the resource that it is, um, I'm, I've become quite passionate about making this wisdom accessible to others mm. and helping them, you know, make the meaning that's helpful to them, um, despite kind of, um, the reality, which is that so many different resources that are potentially available to us are kind of subsumed or submersed in, you know, kind of dominant paradigm still. Mm-hmm. And that can be really tricky. For people to navigate. Yeah. Um, or it, it's become such broad stroke that it's, you know, almost, you know, the, the memification of life, the things that are kind of yeah. universally true, but potentially um, are forgotten as in yesterday's memes that do not live yeah. beyond the moment. I think I love what you said about accessibility so much because um, that is not a, um, a talking that is a walking. I see you do this um, in live smell of vision. I mean, you have been incredibly generous, not just in breaking down what is um, for the pursuit of the collective good, not just sharing the collective information, but what is it that we can do. Um, mm-hmm. But you've also been able to utilize your visual talents, your storytelling talents um, to to lift out, to bring out that which is inherent within us and help us interpret ourselves. And if I think about the start of astrology for many people, yes, it is around, um, you know, finding the jewels that are inherent within you before conditioning, um, which I think is a really beautiful and lovely thing, pursuit to do. And then if I think about the next step, it's usually someone that you like and you want to know more about them before you actually mm-hmm. like put yourself out there vulnerably, <laughs> um, which has has some ethical implications as well, right? Um, this was something that Pixie and I were really hoping to kind of get your view on um, around the, yeah. the ethics of astrology. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, that is a big part of what I'm equally passionate about because I think with making something more accessible, there is an ethical responsibility for, are you also helping people understand how to use it in an appropriate way? Um, We know astrology is becoming more and more accessible largely because of the reason so much knowledge is becoming more and more accessible. Um, Technology and different tools available, you know, we're no longer living in the time where you have to do complex calculations and all these things to understand what's happening in the sky, you can get it on your phone in seconds. Um, and as ha- has happened with a lot of technology, um, the, the pace of that development has not been 
um, met by an equally robust development of ethical consideration. So Mm. like technology is booming and growing, but what about the other parts of kind of what we're going to do? And I think we've seen that collectively, but in so many different realms. Um, But I think with astrology, it's, it's been very fascinating to me that there has not been more investigation of that particular phenomenon. I think it's in part because for so long, astrology was um, minimized, um, de-validated, as I spoke to before, um, because of scientific empiricism, and even criminalized. And so there is kind of an Criminalized. Yeah. Can you speak more on that? Yeah. um, I'm sure you've seen websites or listened to podcasts or things where there's disclaimers. This astrology is for entertainment purposes only. Oh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's illegal um, necessity. Yeah. They do that with herbalism, too. They Um, always, a lot of times, I feel like. Good point. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think the attitude in astrology has kind of been like, we finally have this opportunity for people to really receive this wisdom. And there's just kind of this excitement and this zeal. And I'm not going to say I don't have that excitement and zeal. I'm going to say that in addition to that, I am, I'm concerned about, um, always, as I think I've been speaking to already, like reducing harm. Mm. And I feel like specifically when it comes to things that are underneath an umbrella that might be referred to as spiritual, Mm -hmm. it's really easy for people to just imagine that harm is not happening. Mm. And I think that's not true. I think we have a lot of evidence of how that is not true. Oh, yes. So, um, yeah, to me, it's really important that astrology is something... um, that includes a code of ethics. And that just doesn't exist to the degree that I would hope for. I mean, there are professional associations, there are credentials people can get that basically are about, for the most part, kind of accuracy, right? And like, do you know the craft really well? But when it comes to the relational part of astrology, how you're right. working with people, right? I think there's still a lot of room for this profession to grow Um, if you're not a professional astrologer, I think that this is still relevant because you may very well be encountering astrology. Um, so yeah, there's a few things I would say here. One is that if anything, astrology is a concept I feel very much validates that nothing is all good or all bad. And that includes astrology. So when people have skepticism about it, and who knows, those people might have already <laughs> turned off this podcast, but if you're still <laughs> I just want to validate that that's warranted. You know, I have my own skepticism about it, even as an astrologer. And a lot of it for me does have to do with, is it held in a responsible manner? Um, so two things I would just say about like a general thing, a general framework to keep in mind for folks who might be newer to astrology, students, um, you know, just kind of 
dipping their toe in the water. The first is, um, I really think it's important that we not use astrology to create even more of a sense in our society of categorization, of um, separation through that categorization, of classification, right? Of basically status and rank. Mm. We don't need more hierarchies in our culture. We need less. So that's really easy to do, I think, across the board because it's a culture that we live in. It's the water we swim in. Um, So there's an abundance of caution that I think is very warranted around not seeing things in that kind of way and being able to hold a equanimity, an openness, a balance around looking at whatever information it is you're getting about astrology. Because when someone asks me a question like, you know, what is happening in the skies right now? What is, what is astrologically going on? And then I might mention like a planetary placement and they're like, what does that mean? And I totally understand why they're asking that question, but I'm honest with them. I'm like, well, there's really not one meaning to this. There's multiple meanings to this. So, you know, a great response. And and it's, and there's no like one good or one bad. It's like, this could be so many different things. And I think it's partly why, you know, astrology doesn't have that sort of empiricism, right. That people look for in a very like scientifically minded culture at this point. Um, Right. Because that multiplicity kind of runs against sort of our operating norms around how we think about knowledge. Mm. Well, yeah, I have a quick, question, I guess, because I was, when you're talking about, I feel like you're talking about maybe categorizing people and like in social media, you'll see all Leos are terrible, never date a Scorpio, you know, things like that. Um, just from the relational or that inner working thing, my students will say that, oh, Aquarians are terrible, you know? And that seems problematic to me just because like you said, it's all kind of like different energies and they're all there's multiple meanings and multiple ways that can go. And it, I don't know, it seems, that seems dangerous to me to like do that kind of thing. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Am I on track with that? Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I think what you said around swimming, these are the waters we swim in, um, these kind of habitual kind of like teamifications of things this is your side this is my side right. I, I root for my team you you are going down like this is such a cultural norm for a lot of a lot of communities a lot of spaces and nations and peoples but um if we kind of zoom back a little bit and think about what are the waters that we've swam in for longer than that um when you talk about you know, the, the, the wider practice or the wider connection between like when someone says what's going on astrologically, they are looking for something that's older and wiser and, Mm -hmm. and more broad reaching than their kind of myopic. I'm stuck in something. Help me pull out. (laughs) Would you say that that's kind of one of the, the things that you enjoy kind of approaching with astrology is the the waters that we swim in, the stories that we dwell in? 
Yeah. I mean, I personally feel like I'm very sensitive to what's happening in the collective realm. And so being able to have astrology as a tool has really helped me have more awareness of what exactly it is I'm being influenced by um, in that kind of deeper way. And it's been a process, as I think I've kind of already described to some degree, but I can just really emphasize it's been layers and layers and layers, and it continues to unfold. And that's another way that I think this kind of knowledge is, is different than maybe other places in which you might seek, you know, some kind of meaning making. Um, I can give an example. So, hmm. yeah. Um, I'm struggling to think of one, but I would say that in general, when I have approached kind of new endeavors to learn about a topic, um, I'm the kind of person who likes to become aware of all the people who have differing opinions on that topic. Ooh, cool. So like, you know, there's that and that can take some time to peel back right? Because I'm learning about the topic, but I'm also learning about like what is kind of the many viewpoints people have on that topic. And that's mm. certainly true for astrology. Um, but I think because astrology can be both like very universal and also incredibly personal. Mm. It's like with every layer that I have been peeling back, it's been at both a uh, internal inquiry of like how that truth is landing in me and how I might integrate that. And it's also been a kind of reorganization of the way that I've been thinking about reality and how it works as a construct. Mm. And that just takes a lot of effort. You know, that's just a lot more than what people want to do. Yeah, no so big deal. Like, <laughs> you know, the best, you know, and I I have no expectation that this is what people would normally do, but th- that's when I started to realize, okay, I think I am an astrologer because mm. I'm like, willing to do that, you know? Um, but for those who, you know, who would just come to an astrologer and that's very um, true to the lineage of astrology as a practice. Like there's going to be you know, wisdom keepers, or there's going to be people who kind of always, you know, go really deep. And then there's going to be others who kind of can come to them usually in moments of crisis or need and say, you know, I'm I'm seeking something, please help. Um, I think that's always going to exist. Um, I do feel like though, that kind of notion often in like, especially in like modern storytelling mechanisms, like think about all the stories, you know, of like sages and mystics and they're, they're magical people, right? Like they're kind of presented as not being human and not having flaws. And that's not true. Absolutely. So the other thing I would say, just kind of ethics wise, in addition to kind of like withholding your judgment as much as you can, and that goes for yourself. I want to make sure I say that that goes Word. for yourself too, not just other people. Mm. Um, is to kind of be an educated consumer. I mean, just like anything else you would do, like you're looking for a tax professional, you're looking for a car mechanic, you're looking for, I mean, there's all different kinds of people that we trust with, with, with parts of our lives that are, you know, potentially sensitive. 
um, therapists. Like there's all different kinds of people you would seek seek support from and just, you know, be the same kind of educated consumer that you would be with those folks. So ask for information and keep asking. And if you're not getting what you're looking for, then go somewhere else, you know, um, pay attention to how this person talks about what they do and what they describe as their scope of practice. Um, and use your discernment, you know, about trust your instincts about, you know, whether that person really feels like they're going to be someone who can bring something to light for you or not. Um, because I, another thing that astrology has absolutely validated for me is that just from an energetic standpoint, and, and it's interesting because science kind of talks about this in some other ways, but in astrology, it's kind of this idea of like how charts can line up with each other. Mm-hmm. And in like an energetic bodily sense, I think we can feel that sometimes. Like when we meet someone, we kind of might have like our first instincts about them. Yeah. And so there's always going to be people that we kind of can fit, can fit more and can help us with sort of the puzzle that we're in mm. more than potentially others. And it's not to say any one person is more valuable. It's just to say that we got to find the people that can help us find the keys we're looking for. Mm, and, very interpersonal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and I think about the kind of communication styles as well. Like you could be saying the exact same thing, but depending on um, either the analogy or the metaphors that are being used or even just like the the stylistic choices of words, it will land completely differently for for different individuals. Yeah. Do you think that um, it would be you wouldn't want to trust someone who knows specifically what will happen to you based on the stars, or is that legit? Like for someone to say, like based on the stars, I know this. Like, do you think that that's appropriate or not? That is such a good question. <laughs> um, something else I like to say a lot is astrology is not a monolith, so there's just all different kinds of folks and have all different kinds of practices, all different branches of astrology. Um, I, I'm withholding judgment in my answer to you. I'm not going to say there's no astrology that, or astrologers that don't have some sort of like well-established practice that has to do with specific timings. Right. But I'm going to say, if I'm looking for that person, I'm putting the work in. I'm right. not just, I'm not going to click on an ad on social media. Right. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to look at who's got the certifications, who's got a good reputation within the astrology community, who's speaking at conferences on this topic. Gotcha. You know, and that's a lot more education than I think probably people usually want to do. And I can appreciate that too. Um, that's partly why I'm so passionate about trying to help people better understand how to navigate this kind of um, search this kind of searching journey. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, I'm thinking like, do you want to talk about maybe the Venus journey, like how you got into that or why that's Mm -hmm. a thing that you wanted to explore? Mm, Yeah. You were definitely the first person to point to the, the significance of this incredible planet and its relation to all earthly beings. 
yeah, um, I'm happy to start to go there. Um, is there is there a prelude to that yeah. that needs to be built into? Yeah. Yeah, the thing that's coming to me is this great thing I heard um, from a fellow astrologer a couple weeks ago, and it was the best way to predict the future is to create it. Ooh, I love that. And when I heard that, I was like, yes, that's what my astrology practice is about. Hmm. I'm not interested in being the kind of astrologer that you were just referencing that's like, oh, I know things. Um, I'm interested in a co-creation. And from that place, I think Venus has been a really instrumental partner. Wow. I think a lot of the planets are good partners for different aspects of that intent. Um, But Venus, I feel, is so instrumental. Um, In many ways, she's the one who's like most classically associated with the arts. So I think, you know, that's partly Mm -hmm. what initially just kind of plugged me into her as someone who is a creative and an artist. Um. But I think my evolving relationship with her has absolutely validated um, that the wisdom that she is about is not so much the book knowledge, which oftentimes is a lot of what astrology emphasizes. Um, And I don't mean to minimize like the maths. I love all that. And and there's definitely a Venusian element to that as well. Um, But just this concept of Um, being in sort of an emergent process and being present Mm. to that process. Mm. Um, To me, that is a very Venusian concept. Mm. And so it's almost like without that foundation, for me, it's difficult to have that kind of relationship with the other planets. It's very easy to kind of just look at them through this more traditional lens of... um, how would I put this like a book on a shelf that has like specific topics in it Mm -hmm. and specific tone of describing those topics. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, I'm interested in like, how does that book live in me? Where is that book in my body? (laughs) How am I speaking its words and how am I making movements from its you know, store that are connected to its stories. Like that's um, so pivotal for me. Can I say two things to add into what you're saying to, to ask as you're speaking? Um, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so first I was just, the word as I'm listening to you, Diana, is the word translator. I feel like you're translating like energies. And also I did ask you this another time, but when you say you're working with her, you're working with Venus, are you thinking of her as an energy? Are you thinking of her as a goddess, as a goddess that's real? Are you? Th- is this energy that planets give off? Is this something deeper than that? How do you, this is the stuff that really interests me. How do you like translate that idea when you talk about a planet? What are you talking about? I love the book idea that really resonated with me. But yeah. Let's zoom out. Let's talk about that a little bit. What is the the connection there? So one way that I've described it is 
for as long as we have record, humans have observed patterns in nature and based on those patterns have, you know, kind of modified how we interact with those patterns, Mm -hmm. right? Like whether it's farming or it's um, like we're in nature too. So it can be like social patterns, Mm -hmm. you know, and how we relate to each other. Um, so I do think of, of planets as being kind of connected to that idea, like they're part of nature and there are patterns mm. and we are essentially through observation, that same method through observation, um, looking for meaning and trying to discern, you know, the usefulness. Mm. I think because it takes effort, right, to observe bodies that are really far away from us, like really, really far and, and easy to ignore, especially for those of us who live in cities where there's a right. lot of light pollution. Not not gazing out in the stars yeah. consistently. Um, I think it's easy that for us to lose contact and relationship. Um, so that's partly where I think the energetic piece um maybe has become even more profound for us because we don't have that literal, you know, connection. Um, but, it, but in terms of like the evolution of human culture, like they're really one and the same. They're not different. So we have myths, you know, going back and back and back into time. Um, and these myths all speak to how we are part of stories that are larger than ourselves and that, you know, in, in personal ways and in universal ways, there can be these truths, right? And there can be these, um, these stories that evolve over time, right? And that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about movement of planets. We're talking about time. We're talking about evolution. Mm that change right cool um and our culture you know i think our culture has a lot of myths that actually run against that idea to be honest so i think it's confusing sometimes for us because it's so it's almost countercultural for <laughs> us to think right that there might even there, there's something larger than ourselves you know that this reality right. that we're in is not you know the the material reality right? Mm -hmm. The job and the kids and the house and the car. And like that, there's more, there's more than that, you know? Um, But I do think that we still continue to connect to those stories, right? Like whether it's through um, images we see on social media, it's movies we watch, it's TV shows we watch, it's books we read, it's podcasts we listen to, like we're, we still are going to be those story seeking, story making creatures. That's just who we are. Absolutely. And I think um, that is essentially a function of us trying to make meaning of these 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 evolutions and these changes that are happening in our lives. Um, yeah. Right. And we, you know, we might not always have the language, right? And that's partly what's, what story serves is it helps to give us more language. Um, and it's always going to be easier for us to connect to something that feels more tangible um, than something really abstract. 
So like we can connect to Aphrodite myth, right? Like we can connect to a story about Aphrodite, which is like one of the more dominant ones related to the planet Venus. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a little bit harder, I think, for us to think about all the things that Venus can be outside of that framework of a specific story. Um, I think Venus is a good example, though, because there's a lot of different goddess myths across the world. And they all speak to different aspects of the collective feminine. Mm. And so, you know, through that, we can absolutely see more of what I was speaking to earlier around like the multiplicity of truth and all the depth that can be present in just one single, um, one singularity that we refer to as Venus can actually encompass a lot of multiplicity and a lot of complexity. Speaking of singularity and multiplicity, I had an aha moment that I don't think I've ever really truly considered when we're thinking of astrology and when we're thinking of of Venus as like a singular or kind of like a whole integrated energy or character that we're looking at. Um, Are we, are we leveraging the fact that we're earth looking at Venus when we're considering these stories or are we kind of like a, a floating orb, not earthbound or like how, how integral, how important is the fact that we're on earth looking at Venus? Hmm. Like the most important. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These are the things that I just... No, I love being that Being a little space cadet, I just like was like, oh my God, we're on Earth. <laughs> the most important. Everything in astrology is centered in a geocentric perspective. Right. Okay. <laughs> we are here on Earth. We view the planets from these angles because of where we are. Yeah. We have a horizon, you know, and that's based on our presence. I you think know, the, the reason why it's hard for me to appreciate is that because we're like, where exactly on earth were you? And so it's like, it's harder for me to appreciate that we're all on earth because of the fact that everything is so specific, depending on where on the planet you were actually uh, put forth. <laughs> I was that's actually, the horizon. sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, that's because of the horizon effect that I was just saying. That's because where you are specifically on the globe the horizon's going to be different. Okay. Because it's a it's a spherical body. Yeah. Right, moving through a three-dimensional solar system. However, let me think of a of an analogy. Okay, let's say you're sitting at a dining room table. The people who are at in the different chairs at that table We'll have to reach across, right, to get different foods at different sides of the table, right? However, they're all still in a dining room, in a specific house, and somebody else who's looking at them as a table would kind of be like, you're over there in that one place. Mm. Wow. Does that make sense? It just has to be with how you, you know, what is your reference point for location and what are the different, you know, aspects of that? And is that like when they ask for your chart, where in the world you were, when the planets were, where they were, is that what you're saying? Like what part of the table were you sitting at when the planets were? Am I making sense? Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. You are good at the um, 
these analogies for my brain. <laughs> and the Damn. thing that I was thinking when Rudo said that was, um, well, we're all stardust. So we're like, we're, we're, I mean, we're on Earth, but we're like part of the planets kind of, I don't know, like that's a weird way of going about it. But I was thinking that too. No, it's not weird at all. So yeah. that's kind of what I mean by patterns in nature tell us about a larger narrative that we can't otherwise see mm. without looking at those specific patterns. So like if we were to go a little bit more micro than the cosmos and talk about like what's happening in the ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? Like we can observe that plants absorb carbon dioxide from the environment and emit oxygen, mm. right? And that helps us understand like a larger picture of what's happening within that ecosystem, right? That doesn't just involve the trees. It involves every other creature that's in that ecosystem that re- that also has a relationship to carbon dioxide and oxygen. So it's a similar kind of thing. Like it's a larger narrative, right? Mm-hmm. About how things are working and we are part of it. I think that's really critical mm-hmm. that it's not out there, right? Because that's the only way I am able to, as I was saying earlier, create the future. You know, like I'm I'm not at the whims of the planetary deities of ancient Greece and, and you know, the hell they want to rain down on me. Like, no, like I am part of a dance. I am nature. Mm. And nature moves in this way. And so mm. because I am nature, I move in this way. Right? Yeah. And maybe understanding how that dance works helps you make better decisions. But like your astrologer friend said, you make, I think he said you make your reality or you're writing the story. But knowing how it works is a really good, like important thing to know. Yeah, because I want to have choice about, there's a lot of layers to this, but essentially I do want to make choices that support my well-being and the well-being of others. Mm -hmm. And without me understanding how I'm participating in that larger narrative, I think it's, I think it's harder for me to maybe make some of those discernments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You spoke specifically to Venus and the, and being part of the observation of the Venusian cycle being particularly helpful for you as a creative. Mm-hmm. And considering that all three of us would, would gladly accept that moniker. Yes. Um, and I'm assuming that a large portion of people who are listening would gladly mm-hmm. <laughs> accept that. Um, Do we want to focus on the connection between, because again, um, you are the first person in my um, life to uh, embrace um, Venus, the planet, in relation to our creative bodies and our creative inspiration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would love to speak to that. So I'm not going to speak specifically about Venus just yet. I'm going to talk about kind of how some of what I've been talking about in terms of like a framework of my astrology practice, like how that has served me in my creative life and my creative practice. And I would say there's a few things. So just to go a little bit deeper into what we were talking about around choice, Mm. right? So the first thing is, And this is huge. Like this alone is why I'm like on this podcast. Like I want more people to understand 
what is possible. Um, and that is like profound sense of self-connection and self-acceptance. Hmm. And I think I struggled for decades, frankly, with having a creative identity and living in the cultural constructs that we have. Me too. We, and oh my God, there's so many, there's so many, like so much discussion we could have about that alone. Yeah. But I'm just going to say this was a realm in which I felt like I could start to understand my gifts and that I'm not something to be fixed. I'm not a problem to be solved, you know, and that I don't have to, it doesn't mean I don't have problems in my life. Of course I do. Like that's life, but it does mean that I'm no longer making it about some sort of flaw in myself that I'm frustrated. I can't repair. It's like a complete turning that narrative on its head and saying it's the opposite. Like I am um, an expression of divine mystery that is here to give voice to a, to a truth that lives in me. It's that whole idea that Martha Graham has said around like, we have to express what is true about us because it may never exist again in all mm. of time and space. Mm. It's so validating to hear that from you because I was thinking about that the other day in my new life now. For a great many years, I felt like I couldn't be, and I felt shame for who I, for who I was. That's a larger story, but like just, I felt shame for like wanting to be so spontaneous or living in a way that wasn't quite normal, but that was what was the most natural for me. And now that I'm doing that, um, it is this time of like acceptance and being like, I think this is really who I always was. I just wasn't allowed to be mm. or felt like I wasn't allowed to be. Um, so I can relate to the things you're saying. Yep. I think a lot of people can relate to what you just said. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding how astrology relates to that. Um, and more about myself from that perspective has been very helpful. And then how I relate to others. It just makes me more yes. self-aware. It makes me more self-aware. But yeah. you don't want it to be a trap. You want it to be freeing. You don't want to feel like you're just this one thing. That's it. It's just knowing like tendencies, I suppose. Correct me. I might be wrong. but Yeah. Yeah. And I think tendencies and also like choices within those tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding myself in relationship to another. So that's a Venus thing. Mm. Um, understand my relationship to another. So in, in like thinking about this conversation we were going to have today, something that occurred to me that I think I hadn't fully, you know, put a point on yet for myself was that sometimes navigating relationships, especially from those places we were just talking about of like confusion and shame and misunderstanding ourselves and lack of self-compassion, all this, sometimes relating to other people um, from those places honestly zapped a lot of my creative energy. Whoa. Yeah. It's like, 
I'm trying to, I'm putting all these creative abilities that I have into solving this problem of how do I show up in a way that this other person can be okay with me mm-hmm. and I can be okay with them, right? And there's something about astrology that's kind of changed that narrative for me where it's like, I can be okay with myself. That's something I can work on regardless of others and my relationship to them. And also I can work to be okay with others, right? Because there's something about when you see, for me, and I'm assuming others will not have this opportunity. So I'm just going to say what this has been like for me and give you a glimpse of this. When I'm looking at other people's charts, I'm just filled with so much empathy for some of the things that people have signed up for doing in this lifetime. (laughs) Some people have signed up for some really hard stuff. Yeah. And it makes me think about all the people I meet in my life that I might describe as quote unquote difficult, which one of my teachers has told me that difficulty lies in me. It's about my lack of skill. It's not about that person. Um, that makes it really a lot easier for me to think about those people and what I don't know about them. Yeah. What reality are they operating from? What is their soul working through in this lifetime that I may never know about? Wow. And it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And just trying to have empathy for that. And I do think I spent a lot of energy on that before I kind of had some of these ahas. And now I feel like that energy can be freed up for other things because I can just kind of work on coming to acceptance of, you know, we're all in this, we're all in this earth equation on this earth school for all of our individual reasons. And we have a collective project we're working on together too you know, of, of, of human life on this planet. And I want those people to be my partners. I want them to be part of the co-creation. I don't want to think of them as an other or an enemy. Mm. Yeah. That is part of the larger problem we're trying to figure out is not looking at each other as enemies, but it's so good. And dancing with what is instead of um, trying to burn down and build or change, you know, if we go, if we're going into the world going, I need to change you. Mm. it's that connection from which I have found that creative energy flows and it's that disconnection that I think limits our capacity to live into whatever it is that we are I believe all yearning for yeah yeah I think all of us are for a large degree wanting some acceptance of who we are. Mm. And that's a lot of conditionals. Yeah. That's just as true for the person that I might like wholly disagree with as it is for anyone else. Word. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's been a big part of like, I think how Venus, like, because Venus is not just about the arts. Venus is also about relationship, interpersonal relationship, um, collective feminine. So I do also think about like relationship to the collective. And to me, those things have always been related, but I think that that has confused other people 
But for me, I've always felt those things are related. I want to create things with other people that benefit the larger picture of, of what folks experience. And it's taken me a long time as a creative person to understand how to do that within the frameworks that we have, the cultural frameworks we have. Um, but I'll say that astrology has absolutely played a role in me being able to better discern how my individual gifts fit into the grander picture mm. of, and the larger story of where we are at collectively yeah, as a, as a species right now. And I think it feels to me in sharing all of this with you that there's a lot of constructs in our culture that are essentially distractions from me being able to have that focus. <laughs> Isn't that what 2020 was initiating? I mean, Rito and I talk about this all the time. Like we're not the same and we never will be again. And we're still figuring out where that leaves us now. And, but I think one thing we all do know is what's really important. I think everyone does know that now. It's just our culture doesn't necessarily make it easy. Mm-hmm. Because the stuff you're talking about is really important. But it's like we're not allowed to take time to do, like to actually explore it as much as we should be. You know? And we've taken in these judgments. You know, when we look at our own horoscope or our own chart, or we talk to an astrologer who's doing that. And there are like layers of judgments in there. Like, where's that coming from? It's coming from what we've been taught. It's coming from those cultural myths that we're swimming in. It's coming from, you know, um, and it, we have, I feel we have this opportunity right now across the planet to, and this gets back to what I was saying about how astrology has been such a gift for me in this way is I think we have this opportunity to start to do some of that inner work of trying to understand those judgments mm. and evaluate whether we need them and how they're working in our lives. Mm. Because the, the fact of the matter is the things that are playing out on political levels, on, you know, um, biological levels, on ecosystem levels, like these things are playing out. I think it's really easy for us to feel completely powerless over those things. I don't think that's true. I don't think we're completely powerless, but I do think it's unequivocally true that we can at least say that we have a sphere of influence and that is ourselves Mm-hmm. And what we can do to do our own work mm-hmm. is valuable, is meaningful. Mm. Particularly if we understand we're doing it. From my perspective, this has been so helpful to me is to understand I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm not trying to get, personally, I'm no longer trying to get happier in this lifetime. I'm trying to build foundation and plant seeds for people that I hope are on this planet and other creatures that I hope are on this planet after I'm gone, after I've moved to the other side and I'm no longer, you know, in this body and in this form. So 
I realize that might be very radical for some people to hear that, but that's what I'm talking about in terms of all the cultural myths that we are submersed in all the time of like, what are even just the basic assumptions we have about what we're supposed to be thinking about and focused on? It does fly in the face of a little bit because if I think about um, me working on being more embodied and more in my body in each moment, the sensual moment of the now is very important, but um, it doesn't need to sacrifice what you're saying in terms of our investment for the future. I I also just have like a, just an example of something that's been on my mind recently. We, ha- I mean, it's, it's kind of politics, I guess, but I think it's larger than that. It's our Senator checked himself in John Fetterman checked himself into a hospital for depression. Mm. And Donald Trump's son made fun of him on national TV mm. or on an interview. And I was talking about this with my partner and I realized simultaneously two, one really beautiful thing was happening, which was someone was coming to terms with their, how they felt and doing something about it without shame. And we still have people living in a different reality, thinking it's funny and says less of, means they're lesser than. When in my mind, I find Donald Trump's son to be a lesser than person for staying in that mindset and hurting it for everyone else. I'm not trying to get into the nitty gritty of that conversation, but what I'm saying is that's a huge issue across the world in terms of how we're handling our own selves and judgment and how kind of proud I am for that human person who I don't know anything about, except that I think I believe in his values, but like that he did it and didn't hide it. I respect, I think that's huge. I think that's a huge shift, but that's about that judgment. Like, I just think that's something that we really need to, as a society, start talking about and quick because it is doing damage and it has done damage probably for as long as we've been here on the planet. Yeah. So I hope that wasn't think, too weird of a segue. I'm not trying to no. segue into that, but I just think no. that it's. I personally is- think it's, yeah, I personally think it's significant that leaders yes. are showing up in different ways. And this is yes. the kind of thing that, that astrologers do look at who are looking at that larger story. It's, it's mm-hmm. called mundane astrology. Um, they're often looking at what are, you know, the geopolitical moves, what are the leaders doing? Because what it does is it symbolizes and it connotes something that that's bigger than just that one individual, like a leader who has elected office, who has influence, um, often becomes kind of a symbol, right? Has obviously a lot of like positional power. Yes. And so, you know, can also have a lot of influence from that place. So I think of also the the prime minister of New Zealand and how like she mm-hmm. stepped down from her role and like, wow, that's amazing. Anytime power seeds, we yes. need to be paying attention. Yes, I agree. Because that's, that's speaking volumes about where we are collectively right now. That's mm-hmm. evolution happening in real time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's still people digging their, their heels in, you know, yeah. just still doing it. And it's like, well, when is that going to just? Yeah, the, des- the desire to dominate and yeah. to exert through fear and shame is still, yeah, still going on for some. But you're seeing these pretty big shifts. I think Justin yeah. Dardern did a um, a very symbolic thing by making it publicly known that you can step away from power if it um, 
if it feels like it's poisoning you in some way. Or take a break. Taking what a break I is allowed. Is when, we, when we see leaders acting in those fearful ways and those dominating ways that we're asking those same questions. Like, so I'm, I'm witnessing the prime minister and I'm saying, wow, where in my life do I need to step down to take care of myself? Yeah. Right. Cause they're all mirrors. And I can also look at, at Donald Trump's son and say, wow, where in my life am I completely disacknowledging someone else's reality and discrediting them? And you know what? I'm probably doing that too somewhere. Yeah, that's true. Well done. Yeah. Very well done. And because the reality is like, we all have these choices. They have these choices and we have these choices, you know, and we can do something about the choices that we make. Mm. And part of the gift of being in a relationship is sometimes when other people act certain ways, that's, that's a moment for us to become more self-aware and more aware of, of how we're showing up. To me, that is how we move into creating the future we want is to see ourselves as being creative in that way right? Like enacting our creative power. I love how, you know, you entered into the relationship with learning more about astrology and it didn't, it didn't change you in how you communicate or how you see the world per se. Like exactly like when we're pursuing a new style of art or a new tool or a new medium, um, you yourself are inherently you. It brings out things or it refines things or it enables you to communicate in a different way. But um, you are this consistent authority of, of truth for yourself. And all of these things are sort of um, tactic and arms and new flavors, right? Like I think about how a lot of people take take on new tools and like they, they are almost like different, entirely different beings. And it doesn't feel as authentic as somebody who's integrated it with who they are. I mean, like it didn't change your worldview. You know, the 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 flavor of how I'm seeing you explain all of this like it's hard for me to separate who Diana is and how astrology is explained. Yeah, it honestly hearing you say that what's coming so clear to me is it it has humbled me tremendously. Wow, wow I like that. <laughs> In looking at like sometimes when I look at my own natal chart, I think of it as a pair of glasses. Mm. It's like, this is the lens through which I'm seeing my whole world. And everyone else doesn't have these glasses. Only I do. Only you do. So I don't know what's true for someone else. I don't, I don't know what's end of sentence always going to be true. I mean, I know like basic stuff, like universal truths, like life has inherent value, you know, um, I believe love is the answer, like these really trite things. But in terms of how I'm interpreting the things that are happening, that's because of me. That's because of my story and what I'm working through. Cool. 
I think it's really easy to just take that for granted, right? Especially if you Mm -hmm. can't actually see the glasses you have on. I mean, that to me is like the power of really (laughs) understanding your own chart is you can, you can take the glasses off and look at them and be like, what is this? You know? (laughs) It's amazing. So what do we have time for now? Do we have time to go through kind of the the Venus? Do you want to delve more into Venus through the creative lens? Or do we want to go into kind of the other planets, the other mythology? Where would you like to... I see a fork in the road. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, you're right. It's there. Um... I'm happy to go where you all are interested. I am, um, I think of myself less as an astrologer and more as a sacred geometrist and time teller. Oh, that's so (laughs) I'm, I'm inclined to go towards the time telling, you know, I'm in time. I'm inclined to like speak to what's currently on the curriculum um, nice. I'm into that. Motivated. I mean, I don't, I don't, after this conversation, <laughs> you're still here, you know, um, and you're <laughs> feeling like a little fired up. It's like, okay, well, you know, what's, what's next? What's, what's on the table? And I, this, and by no means wanting to be prescriptive, but again, just to kind of start to illuminate what are the patterns we're in right now? Let's talk about what they actually are for, for folks. Mm. Love it. Yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about 2023. So. Oh, boy. um, Next month, we have Saturn. I'm going to start using words that you might not be familiar with, and that's okay. I'm going to explain them. But I also want to share the planets and the the zodiacs so that you understand the reference points. Um, Saturn is going to be moving into Pisces. And uh, Neptune has been in Pisces for quite many years because it's a very out, um, outer planet on the, re- the outer edges of our solar system. So it takes a while for it to move through an entire sign um, of Pisces. And with Saturn now moving into Pisces um, for the next two and a half years, um, I think this is really going to be an important few years for creative people. Um, Pisces is a sign in which Venus is exalted. So it's a time of dreaming. It's a time of finding our flow. It's a time Mm. of tapping into the greater mysteries that we often tap into when we're in our creative flow, right? And because it's Saturn, like, I think there's really an opportunity for creatives. I personally believe there's an opportunity for creatives to kind of be on this bleeding edge of society right now, because we need to dream up new forms of relationship, new institutions, new laws, even, right? These are very Saturnian things. We, we need new structures, right, of relationship and accountability. We need all that. And we have such incredible gifts, I think, as creatives to be able to think broadly outside of what is the current confines, right? 
outside of, you know, to really go to that imagination place that's beyond our own individual like experience um, and to bring that to the fore socially. I just think it's an incredible opportunity. Um, this year, Venus is also going to, in her cycle, uh, be meeting up with the sun um, in Leo. And she's going to go retrograde during that time. That's going to be from late July to early September. Um, and anytime Venus goes retrograde, it's usually a time where, where the general, like, kind of um, mainstream astrology ideas, like you revisit your relationships, you know, you either solidify commitments or you break up or you have some kind of drama. Um, but Leo, you know, is a sign of creativity. It's the native um, sign of the sun. And so it's very much associated with how we express ourselves, how we express our truth and what's true for us, how we live into um, our gifts and our fullest self, the best we can be um, in a spiritual sense. Um, and so that's for me, uh, you know, just as much a time to for us to reflect on our relationship to our own creativity. And as we initiate a new Venus cycle in Leo, which will take place over the subsequent 19 months, um, it's like that will be a cycle in which I think we get to experiment more with that relationship to creativity, but this retrograde time is, I think, a time to kind of turn inward um, into our own, like, embodied knowing and feeling um, around what that relationship is and, and what pivots, you know, we might want to make. What's working for us? What what dreams do we have? Um, what do we want to let go of? Um, yeah. We also have um, eclipses this year in the Venus signs. So all the eclipses that are happening this year, for the most part, um, are going to be happening um, in Taurus or Libra. So that's May, September, and I think October. Mm-hmm. Eclipses tend to get more um, attention in the mainstream. So mm-hmm. you may very well hear about the upcoming eclipses and So just a note about that is usually eclipses are moments of um, insights and breakthroughs that happen pretty quickly. Um, They can be profound shifts in our perception, in our choices, in our lives. Um, Nothing to be afraid of, but something I think to lean into if you're looking for a shift. Um, Those are good moments, I think, to pay attention to the shift that wants to come through you. Um, and to be open to receiving that. Um, the fact that they're in Venetian yeah, sign to me just kind of speaks to an opportunity there for there to be some relationship to what are we making with our lives? If not our work, if not our creative work, then like, what are we making with our lives? Mm. Wow. Yeah, That's like a those good are the highlights. From a from a <laughs> Venus perspective, um, yeah, I have a lot of optimism for what's possible if people, you know, choose to 
choose to become conscious about their choices. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think if we think about the when when personal choices sometimes come into play, it's often in a punitive way. Like this happens because you made a choice and now you have to pay for your choice. But instead of going that, we can go like, ooh, because I can lean into my reactions as choice or I can lean into what I want my future to look like as choice. Um, it becomes like a little softer, a little juicier, a little, a little lighter. I think, you know, personal choice, obviously there's like a lot of liberation in that. Um, Mm -hmm. but what I'm hearing and this is through my lens, I'm hearing a removal of the punitive around choice and an opportunity for um, hopefulness and softness and joy. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I really want to emphasize that I think the choice is about how we perceive things. Oh, nice. (laughs) Because the reality is, we are going to make choices and there are going to be consequences, those choices. And sometimes we might not like those consequences. Sure. And even when that happens, we have a choice about how to perceive it. Do we sit there and berate ourselves and judge ourselves for doing something really bad? Or do we say, wow, I learned something really important about myself, about another person, about my needs, about the situation. And I'm really Mm. glad that I learned that because now I can you you know, see this differently, act differently, be differently. Um, And they're like micro choices, right? Like they could be really easy to miss. (laughs) Love it. And perhaps because if you're in the process of writing a song or painting a picture or making a movie, um, you're understanding that kind of like cascade, that like flow on effect in a really different way. So like our relationship to change is is ever so slightly <laughs> different because we're usually making something that's um, built on the necessity of observation. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is one of the most taken for granted gifts of the creative path. Mm. is, you know, when I am coming up as a kid and I'm drawing still lives and I simply move to the other side of the still life and I see the composition is different, the shading is different. And that's a creative choice I can make. It's the same thing when you're saying, hey, this is a little bit of a shit show right now. Let me get on the other side of this. Let me come around at this from another angle. You know, let me, let me create a different composition here around, you know, it's a shit show, but what, what is actually happening is facilitating an ultimate good. And I can participate in that if I choose. You know, a lot of times I think, especially with eclipses, people can find um, the shifts are so profound that they feel like a little bit maybe powerless. And my attitude is like, maybe you are powerless. 
So then how would that change how you're relating to it? If you could just accept that this is just a shift that's happening in your life. Mm. That's really cool. And also I was just thinking about how the theme of this podcast has become mythology in a way, finding the mythology in everything. And I was just thinking that like this astrological perspective is kind of like you're living in a myth in real time (laughs) Um, and you are rewriting it and writing it and changing things you thought you knew as long as you want to participate. Mm -hmm. So when you said, well, I do, I want to participate. Do I want to make the choice to engage? That's when things start happening. Um, And like when Rudo and I talk about a movie and we're like, well, we're, we are now adding to the story. We're participating in it. Well, every second we're alive, we're kind of participating in this version of that myth. So that's a pretty powerful thing to be aware of. Yeah. It's very liberating, actually. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, hey, Pixie, um, do you feel like there's something that you wanted to ask Diana that we haven't been able to cover yet? I think I have millions of questions, but I think... <laughs> I think that um, for now, I think that we have like opened a container that we should return to. Nice. But yes, I feel good about where we're at. Do you, one, more thing I could, <laughs> yeah, one, one more thing I could offer is talk about the, the creative potential that's embedded in each of the signs of the Zodiac. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a great. Um, I feel like that's nice and... Um, universal for people whoever's listening whatever zodiac you have a strong affinity for (laughs) yeah i think it might i mean first of all i I feel like it could help people like not just hear from me like hey this has been powerful for me to understand this about myself but to like have an experience of that themselves um even a brief of just feeling some validation and some opportunity to to lean into their own strengths and see the gifts in those Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'd originally thought like I could do Venus through the signs, but I think the reality is that people have different planetary placements, Mm. um, across their chart and they can show up in different parts of their lives. And when I think about the Zodiac, which by the way, is a word that means circle of animals. Yay. It's like, this is a circle that we are always dancing with. And there might be Mm -hmm. certain animals that we really jive with. And like, that's where we hang out a lot of the time. It's just with those folks, those animals. Mm. (laughs) Um, But like, they're all part of the dance. And so I think it also reinforces, hopefully, this message that there's no wrong animal. Like, every animal has a purpose and has a place in the circle. Mm-hmm. And they're all needed, I think. Mm-hmm. So I would just say whatever resonates with you, just trust that and not overthink. You know what I mean? Overthink yeah. though. But do I have the planet in that sign and all that? Just whatever resonates with you. There's probably a part in your chart that's speaking to that, maybe even just now. Um, and that's fine. So, um, yeah, I'll just go through all the signs. Um, so Aries is a cardinal fire. I'm also going to list the, the, um, 
the modality and the element because I think it speaks to the energy, right? Like what we were talking about earlier of like, are these energies, are these planets, what are they? They're energies and planets, they're both. Um, yeah, so Aries is cardinal fire. Um, the creativity and that is often expressed through initiation, taking bold risks, mm-hmm. um, living and being so centered in your own personal truth. You know, being a fire starter, somebody who gets things lit up. Um, I'm also going to throw in some elements here that are connected to our bodies, because when I think about creative practice, I often think about how that's expressed through our physical form, our human form. So with Aries, I think about facial expressions and the wide variety of expressions that people can have on their faces um, that let you know what that person's about. Yeah. I'm subtle as a brick, so <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> oh, but there's such a gift in it because you're always in your truth. And is there? there. Okay. <laughs> that, of course. That's, that's what I'm trying to so say. Much, is the you're right. It just got me in so much The trouble. creative potential in that. So like, think about like, think about the power of that when you're seeing like dancers, even like people who aren't even using speech and they have facial expressions as part of their performance and their movement and how much it adds to the story. Yes. It's hugely creatively powerful. Yeah. Um, Taurus is fixed earth. I'll start with the body pieces and then I'll go into the other places. So um, Taurus is associated with the throat. So I think about, the voice, the things you voice, the songs, the words, the things that come through your throat as powerful creative expressions. Um, Taurus has an affinity to things that are very material. So it might be something like a, a craft, something that you're doing where you're working with your hands or even the earth itself. Um, it's a creative energy that comes from rooting down and being very grounded on the earth or in your own body and your, your sense of values. That's the, that's the Taurus creative element. Gemini's mutable air. Um, and it's associated with the hands. And I would say specifically, um, gestures of the hands and, Um, So, so much creative work is done through our hands, which I think is really meaningful. Um, But I would say that the Gemini expression is very much like the, how am I using my hands in this theatrical way, you know, to, to express, um, to express the energies. Gemini's creativity often comes out through play, which is so critical and can take so many different forms. Um, it's, it's about suspending, you know, what you think might happen and just being very present to what is, um, and, and can potentially also involve like humor and laughter and things that are light of heart. Cancer is cardinal water. Um, and it's associated with, um, the chest. So the lungs and the breasts, 
So I really think about just the core elemental aspect of our embodied experience of just like every day, all day long, we're breathing in and out and we are creating life in our bodies through that, whether we're conscious of our breath or not. Um, Cancer is a sign that is very um, creative through kind of that same notion of like holding space and sustaining life and caring for life. Um, It could be the creation of like a nest or a safe place of some kind um, and is very emotive um, and empathic. Um, Interestingly, a lot of actors have prominent cancer in their charts. They're just like this, this emotional well that you can draw from. And that is not always even personal. Like it's about how, what it is to be human and the emotional depth of that. Leo is fixed fire. I talked about it earlier when I was talking about the, um, the Venus in retrograde and it's associated with the heart. So again, it's like, you know, the essence of us, um, and our, um, One of the things that's most beautiful about the heart that I think people don't know is that the heartbeat does not come from the brain. It's one of the great mysteries of the human body that we, the heartbeat is generates itself. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's that idea of like, what is coming out of me that is, that is of an essence that is just of itself and it generates itself. Um, And I was saying earlier, it's just self-expression, expression expression of your truest self, a charisma that you might have, um, a performance that you might put on. It's very showy. It's, you know, it's associated with the sun, like I said earlier. So it's like, how are you shining? Where's your shine? That's the Leo element of the Zodiac. Very important for creativity. Um, Virgo's mutable earth. It's associated with um, digestion and the guts. And a lot of our creative instincts can come from what's referred to as second brain, right? It's not a logical place, but it does have to do with sort of how are we integrating um, and how are we making something out of whatever we've eaten, right? Whatever we're consuming is becoming us, that digestion, Um, Virgo very much lives in the details. So again, it can be um, a creativity that expresses itself maybe through something that's like a really highly refined craft or something that's just really, really precise that you're creating. Um, Something that might even be analytical um, and is very concerned with usefulness, um, being of service to something bigger than itself, um, chop wood, carry water kind of creativity. Libra's cardinal air um, and is associated with the back, which I find so interesting. Our back is so, um, holds us upright, right? Um, Keeps us in balance. Um, 
this idea of our spine being something that's often referred to like metaphorically as like, do you have a spine? Are you able to, you know, hold your own, but also like needs to be incredibly flexible. Our spines do so much intricate movements, you know, um, and absorb a lot of shock. So um, Libra, you know, I think speaks to so many elements of that. It's, it's being um, strong and flexible. It's, it's finding relationships that are balanced and, you know, harmony is a word. And I feel like sometimes people might mistake that word for like lack of conflict. And I, I don't think of it as that. I think of it more as like the holding the all. And so when I think about like a literal harmony, like you've got like a choir and they're singing different notes and those notes are able to somehow like match up or even if they don't, like, let's say it's a dissonance of those notes, like that's still a sound and that's still an expression and that's still, um, yeah, an expression of truth. So Libra creativity can have all those different elements. And I think often does show up a lot in one-to-one relationships. So it could be creative partners, could be, um, uh, yeah, I think oftentimes it is just creative partners. Um, but that can look a number of different ways. It could be like, I'm thinking, I don't know, um, Vincent Van Gogh's chart, but I'm just thinking about how much of a, a strong role his brother played in his life and in his creativity. That's like a mm-hmm. perfect example of kind of that Libra notion and creativity. Nice. Um, Scorpio's fixed water. Um, it's associated with the sacral region, which as we know is like the creative chakra, right? Second chakra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, literal creativity of human beings that are birthed from wombs, right? Like that's coming out of that Scorpio space, uh, which I think speaks a lot to um, so much potential within that Scorpio space. So, you know, we might think about like, that birth experience and, and say like, oh yeah, you know, human being coming out of a a woman's body, but also like there's a soul that's emerging into the world. Like that is no small thing. (laughs) Um, And that's, and that's very much what the Scorpio uh, possibility is there. There's so much tied in there with the relationship that we have to the world that is unseen Um, so that could be our own inner world, our own inner soul world. Um, it could be places beyond the veil, um, and really, you know, kind of this idea of generation coming out of, um, loss oftentimes. So like when that woman is giving birth, like she's no longer also going to be the same person. She now is going to have a child and she's a mother. So it's also a rebirth for that woman. Um, so yeah, it's there's so much creative potential within the Scorpio um, part of the zodiacal circle. Um, Sagittarius is mutable fire, associated with the hips and the thighs. Um, I'm sorry, but immediately you're thinking of dancers, right? Like <laughs> we're thinking about fi- you know people who dance with fire or people who just dance in fiery ways. Like Sagittarius has got the dance vibes hard. Um, yeah. And I would say like dance also in a metaphorical sense, like, 
adventurous, going out and exploring things, um, being open to new possibilities, um, very idealistic, like reaching for the stars kind of creativity. You know, what are the, what are the big visions, um, and, and the beauty of those and being able to capture those, um, Capricorn is cardinal earth and it's associated often with the bones. Um, I was talking earlier about Saturn moving into Pisces um, and, and Saturn is Capricorn's um, planet. So yeah, there's like a structure element um, and, and often it does play out more and just more than just in a personal way. So it's like the bones in our bodies, but it's also like the bones, the foundations of our relationships to each other, the institutions that we are in, the agreements that we have with one another. It's these basic fundamental aspects Um, and the creativity in building something like that, building up. It takes discipline. It takes Commitment. It takes um, a, a ability to appreciate the long-term haul, um, and you know, have have goals that you're willing to just keep putting the energy in toward. Um, that's the Capricorn part of the the, the uh, picture. Aquarius um, is fixed air, and is often associated with the ankles, um, and sometimes the calves. So yeah, that's interesting as kind of an embodied piece. Um, I think ankles are, they carry all the weight of the body, right? And also they're able to have, um, you know, the flexibility to move us from place to place. So it's, that's like such an interest, like this fixed air, like, huh? Like (laughs) you can have stability and you can have like, you know, movement. Like that's, that's kind of the interesting, like almost paradox that's built into the Aquarian energy. Um, And it plays out in this idea. um, It's, it kind of takes that Capricornian creativity to like the next level. It's like, looking out just as far in terms of horizons um, and and more expansive in its vision. So less kind of associated with like, okay, I need to, you know, have something tangible I'm building on here and now, and I want to see the development of it. That's more Capricorn. Aquarian is more like, I know that this is going to be something that um, is so innovative that. I just need to be open to it. I just need to be in this expansive place with it. And there are some like principles, right? Like it's not like there's no rooting. Like there's kind of this, both a sense of like a principledness and also this sense of like anything is possible. And I want it, that is, that is what is truth for me. And there's also a, um, there's also a, an element here that, that has to do with, a collective piece. So sometimes that can be like groups, like I'm creating in groups. I'm creating with a group of people. I'm in a creative, um, like cohort or tribe. 
or something like that. Or it can be like, I'm, I'm interested in, in a collective vision. So I am bringing the vision of this group to life through my creative expression. Um, there's, there's usually some sort of community or group element. And then last, but always, always not least, um, Pisces, which is mutable water and is associated with the feet. Um, yeah, when I think about the feet, again, carries a lot of weight, but I think it's just so interesting. Um, in a previous career, I worked as a body worker and I was always so interested in how people had such strong judgments of their feet. So unexpected. Um, but I think it honestly speaks a lot to kind of this whole archetypal notion of the Pisces and how kind of, uh, and this is what's so amazing about, you know, I'm just going to loop back to what we said before about with Saturn moving into Pisces, a lot of people are, go- I mean, it's, it's a collective movement. It's, um, Saturn will be in Pisces in, in the collective skies. So everyone's going to feel this somewhere in their lives. And it's an opportunity, I think, for them to come into that Pisces realm. And I think it's an uncomfortable place for us often because of what I was saying earlier around like imagination and dreaming. And these things are not really prioritized in our culture. You know what I was saying before about how creatives kind of, I think, struggle within our current institutions to find their place. Um, but the Pisces, uh, realm, that mutable water, man, everything gets created out of that. And when we go through the zygal circle and it's last, honestly, it's first. It's, it's often associated with the womb space and it precedes Aries because the circle starts over again with Aries. So if you think of it less as last and more as predecessor to Aries, which as we talked about was just like initiation and boldness and birth and getting things started. Like Mm. Pisces is a place from which all things are created. It is where we shift into something new. Um, and And it can be associated with letting things go. I think that's partly why our culture doesn't deal well in this space. Um, (laughs) but it can be letting go in like this very relaxing way too. It can be like going with the flow and floating along and feeling your way through things and, um, allowing things to move through you. Right. So it's like more effortless, um, and knowing no bounds, like everything is everything concept, you know, um, I went to see this amazing performance, um, that combined hip hop, classical music, and ballet. And I'm telling you, like, that is a Piscean thing. Like, we can do all these things simultaneously. Like, like, this is truth, and this is reality. And it was so beautiful. I mean, and it was magnanimously beautiful. Like, probably one of the most memorable artistic experiences I will have in my lifetime. You know, so I just, I'm, I am not trying to say like the Pisces creative is more important than all the other creatives, but I am saying like all of us, I think need this Pisces place. So wherever that is in our charts, 
um, might be also something for us to explore, especially with um, Saturn moving into that place um, for the next two and a half years. Right. Expect an email. How did that feel for you all? <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> uh, uh, that I love how fair you were to each of the Zodiac. Um, I felt like you too. really gave every one of those um, collection of animals and familia um, so much love. And I, I don't think I've ever seen something so equal and fair and balanced. I don't think I've ever heard, you know, that's I great. Mean, same for me. I mean, I, um, I've always heard such dark things about Scorpios, but I, some of my closest friends, the people I love the most are Scorpios. So I loved your, what you said about it. It was very, very cool. Yeah. Um, Scorpio is associated with a lot of energy that has been, um, how would I, personified in the witch Stigma. archetype. Yeah, they have. Yeah. And as we know in our culture, witch burning has been a real thing. Yeah. So there are reasons we, you know, the judgments that we have, I think, are reflections of the cultural construct we are in. They're mm-hmm. not reflections of the actual signs and mm-hmm. the truth that's in those signs. Because they're all symbols for something larger and more nuanced. Yeah. And, you know, witches are worth, were and are, I think, a threat to dominant patriarchy. Yeah. So, the, you know, the minimizing of that and the, the devalidating and the shaming absolutely is part of our upholding our mm-hmm. current paradigm. Mm-hmm. And it's really destructive because... Everything I said about Pisces and how important that sign is. I mean, you could really say that about all the water signs, I think, um, including Scorpio. Um, you know, we, we, we are in dire need of some rebirthing right now, of some letting go of what's old and some welcoming in of what's new. And So yeah, if you are listening and and this is a place in the chart that really speaks to you and and your gifts, I just really want to say unequivocally how needed you are. And I almost want to cry when I say that because I just just feel the pain of how much that has been not what you've been told. Mm -hmm. A lot of people silencing themselves for a long time or still doing it. And that's the thing is, is Scorpio is often also associated with secrets. And I wonder how much of that is by necessity. Oh, it is. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's got to be truth in this world or we're not going to last. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I always loved about Scorpios I've known is they always told the truth. <clears throat> And that might be, that's probably like vibes with Aries, but, you know, kind of like compliments each other. But I always dug people who just didn't care what anyone thought. <clears throat> so, Yeah, they're both signs associated with Mars. And so since we're, we're going there, I am inclined to say Mars is also an important planet for creativity. Mm. Um, which I find so fascinating because it's often associated with the warrior image. Like even those who are not familiar with astrology, probably when I say Mars, they're like, isn't that the Greek God of war? 
um, or Roman garden. And um, I think that's yet another example of how dominant culture has perverted the archetypes um, because the Venus archetype, you know, is, is often associated with um, undervalued aspects of our society, women and the arts, I think both fall into that category. Um, but in order to maintain that domination, you know, you have to have the collective masculine, um, the Martian archetype playing a role. And the reality is like, I'm, I'm not going to go into great depth about this, but I will say the astrology completely backs up the fact that, that Mars and Venus are in a dance of mutuality and reciprocity mm. and balance. And they're both, I think, very critical for creative expression. Like you were saying, that truth-telling, that, mm. um, you know, Mars is often an energy that's, it's just kind of complementary to the Venusian element. So it's about drawing boundaries. It's about saying no sometimes. And I think most creatives understand that without that, they are not making anything. Like you have yeah. got to be able to know, be able to draw some, some, you know, no is a part of, of the creative practice as much as yes is. So yeah, there's so many layers to peel back here. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we'll probably just have you on again at some point. <laughs> okay. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I really hope this has been valuable for our yeah. dear listeners. Me too. It's and, certainly um, been incredibly valuable for me. For me too. And Very Diana has, yes, agreed. And Diana has a sub stack. So if you want more and more nourishment, you can have it in your inbox. Yeah. How often we'll is those. it just by, is it just like by inspiration when it strikes or do you have like a consistent release for your newsletters? Yeah. Wow. That's a whole other piece around like my creative practice and how astrology has played a role. Cause I, I've definitely gone the gamut of like, you know, strike when the inspiration's hot to mm -hmm. need to have a goal set and need to be working on the goals. Um, and I think that absolutely astrology has played a role in me feeling like I can move with time mm. and not get ahead of myself. Um, but just kind of be in pace with time and, I'm less concerned with um, future casting than future making, as I said before. So I can say thus far, it's been about once a month and I am, that may very well change, but I'm just going to be available for what happens with our spring equinox coming up. Mm -hmm. It's going to be new, new chapter time. So we'll see. Who? And fall for me. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> I appreciate that you always um, you always acknowledge and say hi to the Southern Hemisphere in your communications. Absolutely. And sometimes we just don't have the, the language in the West around that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's the March equinox. That would be a more mm -hmm. accurate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My birthday. Wait, we, we have the same birthday 
Am I right about this? You and me? Very close. Very close. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Are we closing down this portal or are there more things to explore? Where are we at? I'm feeling complete. Is there anything okay. lingering? Mm-mm. Not for me. <laughs> okay, then I'm going to proceed to start the process of closing it down. Is that okay? Yep. So I'll just I'll just thank you again for having me on the podcast. It's one of my greatest joys in life to support other people who are on this creative path. It takes <sighs> a lot of guts. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So we thank you for, I, I love having you on. It's wonderful. Um, and we really thank everyone who's listening for joining us. And we really hope you enjoyed this exploration of the skies, all its myths and energies and inspirations. Um, and we really thank Diana for joining us on the Dreamcast. We'll definitely hear more from you, I'm sure. And we will link to her Substack so you can get her musings. Mm. And uh, we'll see you again uh, for our bi-weekly schedule. Uh, the music that we use for our podcast is called Whimsical Aliens and was written and performed by Alejandro Bernard from Ithaca, New York. And the podcast is edited and produced by Bjorn. Thank you to wonderful Masculine Energies for your support. <laughs> I think that's it for now. Mm. See you again soon. See you later. Mm.